Hey, 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 welcome to the Indecisive Horror Show Podcast, a podcast for all horror fans that haven't quite said what it is that they want to listen to. I'm your host, Trey Prevost, and in today's episode, we are doing a very special double review and a review of the Fear Street Trilogy, which I recently finished. Recently, I have finished two franchises, the Fear Street Trilogy, as well as the Saw franchise, which I will be covering in a later podcast episode just because that would take too long. Um, Originally, this podcast was just going to be double review of The Birds, and I know what you did last summer, but I figured I should add in the Fear Street Trilogy just to make sure we have enough time um, so this isn't too short. Um, somebody I need to shout out, I'm from Killer Flicks, Donnie Morell, sorry Donnie if I'm saying that wrong, um, I did a little trivia on there, uh, and said I'd shout out whoever got it right first, uh, he got the trivia right, so Donnie, this episode's for you man, um, trivia was about filming location that the two movies shared in common, I, I put a shot from the birds and said, can you tell me what movie shares shots filmed in a similar location? And there are others, such as Puppet Master and The Father, also filmed Bodega Bay, but I'd say that I Know What You Did Last Summer, um, also Sleepwalkers filmed there too. I'd say I Know What You Did Last Summer and The Birds are definitely the two most well known ones, and actually, they're the only two that I've seen out of that list of five, so. And. They are both actually in my top 10 horror movies of all time, so maybe just Bodega Bay is just a magical place for horror. I really don't know. Um, I wish I could have visited there when I was off on the West Coast. Um, those are my grandparents. For those who don't know, I live in New York. Um, they live in Oregon, so I did actually get to go to Astoria, interestingly enough, to see where the Goonies was filmed one of my favorites, but, um, not horror, so, not gonna go into depth of that in this episode, but, yeah, if I ever go out there visiting again, I hope I can drive down to, uh, Bodega Bay to, uh, see film locations for the birds I need this summer, and who knows, maybe some other movies that I can get around to watching by then, um, don't know how to be able to go over to the West Coast again, you know, it's hard when you're still in high school to do stuff. Um, but let's start, let's see, should we do chronologically, or should we go favorite to most favorite? Um, I'd say let's do chronologically, why don't we? Because we're going to be discussing more favoritism in the Fear Street trilogy, so chronologically, we have a classic and a modern classic. First, let's do the classic, The Birds. Sir Alfred Hitchcock. Now, interestingly enough, I have only ever seen two of Hitchcock's films, The Birds and Psycho, and they are both in my top five horror movies of all time. The Birds, though, is number two on that list. Only top by Children of the Corn. I know, you're going to hate me for that, but we'll talk about that some other episode. First, The Birds. This movie is not even successful necessarily as a horror movie, but as a movie in general. It is an amazing horror movie. It is it's an incredible thriller. 
It's a great drama. The drama is fantastic in the birds. And let's not forget to mention the stunning Tippi Hedren. People say actresses from, you know, back 70s, 60s, 50s, however back, they don't, they look stupid, they look done up, they're unattractive. How can you say that? They cared about what they looked like, and Tippi Hedren was just stunning. Um, not necessarily cool that I do know about how Alfred Hitchcock did, I think, put her in some not necessarily ideal situations, um, but I can almost forgive it just because of how incredible this movie is. Um, also starring Rod Taylor as Mitch Brenner, uh, Jessica Tandy as Lydia, uh, Suzanne Plushette, might be saying that wrong, uh, Veronica Cartwright, and others. Those are the main characters, though. Um, and there's actually a part that I really enjoy about the birds that, of course, it's not my favorite, um, but a lot of people tend to forget about it and mull over it, and that's the opening part taking place in uh, San Francisco. And that is where we see Tippi Hedren going into the bird shop. Um, and we see the birds first appear flying above that statue, which uh, if you watch Grim Life Project, he actually went to that exact location to get the shop where or, uh, Tippi Hedren is walking across the street. Uh, I don't think I mentioned actually she plays Melody Daniels, main character in the birds, so better get that out of the way. Um, and then there's a really cool editing trick actually where she is walking and it's actually in San Francisco and then suddenly she walks behind a, uh, a billboard bus stop some kind of advertisement when she comes up the other side suddenly she's on a back lot incredible trick uh, filming wise and um, and then it, that's our first time when we get Hitchcock's sense of humor and she gets a cat whistle um, and then she goes in the bird shop uh, it's always great to have a Hitchcock cameo because we see him walking a dog out of the bird shop um, and then also in the opening scene we get her trying to get birds and she needs to have a mail to her because they're coming and she's kind of a brat in a way She's a very diverse character. She's definitely one of my favorite uh, characters in a horror movie. Um, and actually, interesting point, is the birds horror? I say so. I think most people would say so, but if you don't, let me know why. Um, I'm curious. You can always, if, you, if you're not on YouTube watching this, if you're watching on a uh, app where you cannot... Um, where you can't leave comments. I'm not exactly sure how that works, to be honest. So, you can always contact me on Killer Flicks, uh, Trey Prevo, same name. Um, yeah, you can always contact me that way. Um, so, as anyways, she's getting the birds, and then all of a sudden, Rod Taylor, playing Mitch Brenner, walks in, and he plays this joke on her because uh, as we later learn he is a lawyer who saw her in court and he hates how mischievous she can be 
And so he wants her to know what it's like to be on the other end of a practical prank. So he makes her think he's trying to buy birds and and gets her to pretend that she works there. And it's just very cat and mouse like almost. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but um, yeah, that, that it's a very well done opening scene. And then she uses her advantages to get um, his his address. Um, and interesting that let me pull a prank on you and get you the birds you wanted. Like, it's so, it's so strange, but it, for whatever reason, it works so well. And then this guy just says where he is and is like, I'd watch him myself, but I'm going away too. I'm terribly sorry. The acting is just hilarious in a way. It's very, very, um, what, what, what would be the term? It's very giddish almost, um, but... Also, the accents. I don't know if this would bother some younger viewers of the film. Um, they do have a bit more of a uh, older style accent, almost British, not really. Uh, I guess you could call it almost a New Englander. Um, yeah, but that's just how people talk back then. So that's just that's something you just kind of have to deal with when you watch these older films. I'm definitely one to put it aside. Such a good movie. Um, then there's and then, I can't go into too much detail uh, about the movie. Um, we do end up getting more Hitchcock comedy as she is driving into Bodega Bay. And when she's driving, um, that is where, I know you did last summer, was also had a lot of scenes shot in the Bodega Bay area. Um, but the comedy is, she's turning and the birds turn with her. Also, she it sounds like she's going like 200 down these roads in her little car, so that, that's just odd, but um, then when she goes, she ends up meeting the Brenner family, uh, and also the school teacher, uh, Annie Hayworth, and it turns into a love triangle situation, birds slowly start attacking over time, um, but then, a lot of it is a slow build. It's definitely a slow burner, this film is. Um, so, then, later on, we get probably never one of the best scenes. Uh, and honestly, it could be a short on its own. And that is the uh, bar scene, where after the school is attacked, um, Melanie is in the bar, and there's probably 10, 15 minutes of dialogue between all these different characters and it almost it seems like a short film you'd make in college that uh would lead to a movie being made like it is a perfect short um and then we get the most infamous bird attacking scene where the town is just swarmed by birds uh gulls mostly i believe um then we also later on we get a very bleak ending in the birds which I very much appreciate in a film I find it very realistic uh, and I like realism um, because after Melanie is attacked by birds in the house and he's got the hospital as they drive they drive away into the birds into the smoking town of Bodega Bay and it ends we never figure out what happened 
what happens. Uh, well, actually, I can't say. I've never seen the sequel. I've never seen The Birds 2 Land's End. Also, I've never seen any of the sequels to I Know You Do Last Summer. Um, I still know You Do Last Summer. I always know You Do Last Summer. I just haven't got around to them. Uh, not anxious to watch any of those three movies, honestly. I, uh, I've heard bad things about all of them. Uh, probably someday, but not right now. Um, let's keep things moving along, though, now. And let's move on to I Know What You Did Last Summer. Now, <clears throat> I know this movie gets a lot of hate. And I, I really, I guess I understand, but it's really a fun movie, that's what it is. This is, I'm sure not the first, but it's one of the first, um, Scream Imitators very much, really it is. Um, it's a cliche, 90s teen slasher, post-millennium, post-millennium, it's actually not as meta as people make it out to be either. Um, like a psycho reference, I think a Silence of the Lambs reference, but not many. Uh, actually, the psycho reference I might be thinking of H2O, uh, it's probably in here too, though. Um, they're really the characters are what make this film. There are incredible characters, and what a crazy moral dilemma to be in. Uh, spoiler, by the way, that you kill or think you kill somebody and then out of fear of being in trouble you hide it and then you just have to live with that for the whole next year like that is deep stuff um i mean imagine being in that situation and a lot of people say oh my god that's terrible how could you do that think about if you were in that situation and you were having just graduated high school your future is in front of you, and you accidentally hit and presumably kill somebody in the road. Nobody's around to see it. What would you do? I'm not saying I would do what they did in disposing of the body, but I do actually honestly get where they're coming from. Um, then... This movie is full of twists, too. This movie is just full of them. Also, the setting's really cool. It's like, it's a fishing town. And there are, there are, a lot, there are poor movies set near water and stuff. Um, but the fishing theme is very, very intriguing. Um, we get a hook, hook killer. Um, but the twists, as I was saying, are... There are many of them, uh, mainly revolving around who individuals are. Um, of course, the biggest twist being who the killer is, is actually the one who killed who they thought they killed with their car. Killer is, spoiler again, Ben Stiller. And I'll say that might honestly be the weakest point of the film for me, is the killer. He is very boring. He's just a generic old dude who, after getting hit in his bot and being dumped in the uh, water, he just decides to try and kill these scenes. But he doesn't seem like the kind of guy they would do. He doesn't seem like a killer. He seems like something they would just go to the cops. So, besides that, I really dug this movie. I have actually only seen it once, though. Um, 
probably a month or two ago maybe maybe two or three um but i definitely intend to rewatch it i very much enjoy it maybe i'll see more of a hate for it after i uh rewatch it um but as of now i very much do enjoy it um Yeah, also, I guess I should kind of on my favorite actress in it, um, and that is, oh, that's sorry, that's the wrong actress, um, I'm sorry, boy, um, uh, anyways, I'll, I'll get, I'll get, I'll come back around to that, um, So, yes, this actress, uh, she's in Scream 2 also, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, why can't I remember her name though? Uh, I honestly don't know why I can't. Uh, Sarah Michelle, that is her name. Um, yeah, 97, what a big year for Sarah Michelle. She comes out banging with I Know What You Did Last Summer Scream 2 and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Are you kidding me? I haven't seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know. I gotta watch it, but um what an impressive resume from just one year. And uh, great actress and I mean she's she's kind of a cute woman, not gonna lie. Um but yeah moving on from the birds and i know what you did last summer let's talk about a franchise that i recently finished um so we did a classic a modern classic and this is one that will most definitely end up being a modern classic trilogy and a classic trilogy in the future i have no doubt in my mind hopefully it we get an actual Blu-ray release instead of those kind of bootleg Blu-ray releases. I've heard they're pretty good, but they're pretty pricey. It would be nice if uh, Netflix actually releases the trilogy on Blu-ray uh, in an official set. Just so... And hopefully, they, they, they I'm sure they won't. But you never know if uh, they ever start selling the rights to their uh, original content. Um, and that's something about the Fear Street trilogy. This is a... Netflix production. Normally, Netflix does not do that great. They don't have that great horror catalog. I think the oldest horror movie they have is like the Blair Witch Project, um, '99. And if you're somebody like me, you're a fan, more of a fan of older, more classic horror movies. Um, one of the few exceptions I'd say for good horror movies, uh, Netflix original-wise, uh, Bird Box, um, was on my top 10 2010s horror movies for a while. Not anymore, but, uh, because, you know, opinions change, stuff that you watch later on gets added, but, uh, Bird Box is something I enjoyed before I was a real horror fan. I know, it's not that long ago. I haven't been a horror fan that long. I just, my eyes haven't been opened yet. Um, but Fear Street Trilogy, 
How? What a nice treat. After 2020 was such a garbage year for everything, but we didn't get that much horror. We get one, probably one of, if not the greatest horror trilogies of all time. Uh, my favorite horror trilogy, interestingly enough, is the Tommy Jarvis trilogy from the Friday franchise, but uh, this is up there. Um, and the first ones, I guess I'm getting into which ones I prefer. Fear Street Part 1, 1994, did make in my top 30 uh, horror movies of all time. Top 31, I'll say, because I do have a 31 list on uh, Letterboxd. By the way, you should check out Letterboxd, not a sponsor. Um, what a fun movie. So a lot of what's been coming out in uh, 2021 has been dark. You have Spiral, Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. You have The Forever Purge. You have Escape from Charm Chambers. There's not that old, which actually I haven't seen, so I can't really judge. Um, not a lot coming out has been just like a fun slasher. This is actually an homage to slashers in many ways, too. Um, and don't get me wrong, I can enjoy some dark, like disturbing, like real horror. But sometimes it's nice to just get a movie that just takes you on an almost two hour ride of fun and kills. And that is what Fear Street Part 1 1994 does. And I will say that I the biggest complaint I hear and I do actually share is that it definitely goes very much into the two main characters being lesbians. Um, it definitely leans heavily into that to seem woke. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of that part, but I can forgive it for just how incredible the rest of the movie is. Um, I'm sure you've heard people talk in nauseam about the trilogy, um, but what an interesting twist on slashers to have slasher killers being brought from the dead resurrected by a presumed witch um sorry that was never spoiler um man i thought i ought to put that in the description spoilers um because we do learn in part three that it turns out that uh that uh sarah fear was not the witch and actually uh the goods were actually the real ones that made a deal with the devil and to further their fam their own family uh, in exchange for uh, these murders happening which is why Shadyside is murdered cap USA and Sunnyvale has gone decades without any crimes of course that changes at the end of part 3 1666 which, by the way, is my least favorite entry. I was asked why first one's my favorite, third's my least, and it just I like each one less. And I think I did come up with a reason. It's because I did have pretty low expectations going into part one. And I was so pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it so much that it made my expectations and desires for parts two and three so much higher that there's nothing to have happen but disappointment. Um, 
they're very fun. Uh, part two is is nice because it feels very much like a camp slasher. Seventy. It w I kind of wish I did it in like an '80s setting, just because camp slashers were an '80s thing, not '70s. Friday the 13th started, then uh, Burning, I believe 1981, Sleepaway Camp, 83, then a bunch of others, but those are the big three. Uh, so it, it seemed kind of weird to me to have it play, take place 78. It could have more of like a Halloween style thing in 78, I've, I'd thought, but it, it was enjoyable enough. Um, and it was very, it's very supernatural of that whole resurrecting from a dead thing, which I'm normally not a fan of supernatural horror, but it works in this trilogy. It really does. Um, some of the acting uh, I hear complaints about, I don't think it's that bad, honestly. The uh, main actress people complain about is uh, Kiana Madeira, uh, the main actress playing Dina. Um, I guess I can understand it somewhat. But not much. Like, really, it's not that bad at acting. She's not an incredible actress, alright? But she's not a bad actress. Uh, Benjamin Flores Jr., the kid who just never ages. <laughs> kind of fun to see him in this trilogy. Um, so, I've told you a lot about why I love part one. Uh, part two I talked about. Part three is very interesting. Uh... And I think my biggest problem with it, it's so unclear about how the ancestors work and how just the tributes to characters work. Like, so when I was watching the kill count, uh, he made it out as, oh, some of their ancestors, some of them are just tributes. Why even do it? Why not just have different actresses play, actresses and actors play the parts? I, 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 I don't get that. Also, the accents get kind of annoying. Um, also... I think there are a few too many time jumps in this trilogy. Um, not many. This is a small error that I think just one or two less time jumps could have worked. Um, I think it could have been better as more of a chronological story because when you're going, when you're watching part two, for example, you know exactly how the telling of the story of uh, the murder scene place at the uh, camp are going to end. You know how it's going to end because we learned in part one. Uh, part three, not as much so because that was a little less clear, but uh, part two really suffers from that. And that's just an issue I have a lot of like going back prequels kind of because this really is each one is a prequel to the predecessor in a way um but they do kind of fix it with going back to a modern time but then there's too many time jumps so it is kind of convoluted uh but i i can forgive it just because of how fun these movies are um i'd have to say that my favorite killer would probably be that cool mask dude drowning the people in the uh i guess that's a lake uh we didn't get anything really with it that's all right you know is what it is uh least favorite killer honestly it, it might be um the sackhead killer uh what's his name um 
Tommy Slater played by uh, McCabe Slot. You did a good job acting it, but I don't know. It felt not original enough for my liking. Um, one other thing, this, the original especially, does pay tribute a lot to other horror movies, so you get a lot of reasons. Like, the opening is very Scream-centric, um, which Scream is my third favorite horror movie of all time, so honestly, I am okay with that. I really am okay with that. Um, so, also the music, you get a lot of 90s music. I'm not the biggest 90s music fan, but it, it's alright. Um, jumps around a little much, but overall, uh, if you haven't seen either the Birds, I Know You Do Summer, or the Fear Shoot Trilogy, please check them out. Uh, please support the filmmaking community. Uh, so we can get more incredible movies like these, especially the Fear Street Trilogy. The Birds, I know you did last summer. We're not going to get more of those, but um, Fear Street Trilogy. I know uh, Jane Leniak, she has talked about doing more movies in the Fear Street universe from the book. So we can only hope. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, have a nice day. Hey, Editor Trey here. Um, something I realized, I stated that I know what you did last summer, wouldn't be getting anything else with it. That's not entirely true. I forgot to talk about the TV show coming to Amazon in October, which I do intend to watch. It's only going to be an eight-episode, one-season thing. Um, uh, when that comes out, I will probably let you know what I think about it. I hope you guys check it out, too. Thank you.